0: Good morning, or in Italy, good afternoon, or good evening, actually. Uh, we're really happy today to have uh, Dr. Diana Farrow, uh, who has a very interesting background. I'll talk a little bit about it and then ask her some questions to join us on this Pediatric Moonshot uh, podcast. Uh, so Diana uh, was did her undergraduate work in Italy. She went and got a PhD at the University of Munster in Germany. And then, and I don't understand how, ended up at Children's Mercy in Kansas City, where she was a research uh, scientist, Uh, and then more recently has returned back to Italy uh, to Bambina Jesu, uh, who has been one of our vanguard hospitals in the Pediatric Moonshot Mission. Uh, so I'm really pleased to have Diana here today. I think she has a very interesting set of, uh, of skills and background unique uh, to, to this work that we have ahead. So, uh, hello Diana.
1: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Uh,
0: yeah, I thought I'd just start by asking you, uh, you know, uh, talk a little bit about your journey. It's not the normal path, we'll call it that. So how did this all happen?
1: Um, well, I am a a very unique personality, I guess. I, you know, I really like innovation and I really like uh, crazy projects and i try to do my best to, um, pursue very unique research, uh, fields and. Yeah, so I started actually as a chemist uh, with my mm-hmm. diploma in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh just chemist uh, chief and then I moved, as, I say, as you say, in Padua as a biologist and then it was not enough for me because, you know, when I graduated, informatics started to touch computers and so bioinformatics was born and i decided that hey i want to learn that so i went to germany (laughs) so i started to work more and more in computer science and from there you know the rest is history did a postdoc in neuroscience and pharmacogenomics at the university of arizona and then finally landed a professorship at children mercy uh until last year when i decided to come back to italy and to serve in the biggest pediatric hospital of Europe. So it was a ride for sure.
0: Yeah, well, they're, they're lucky to get you. Maybe you could do this because I think a lot of our listeners will not have heard of Bambino Jesu. So maybe just talk a little bit about it as you pointed out, the largest children's hospital in, in Europe and located, I might add, in a very interesting place. So tell us a little bit more about Bambino Jesu.
1: So yeah, our hospital is, you know, incredible uh, in the way that uh, it's located in Rome, actually, is part of the Vatican. Uh, So that is a fun aspect of what we do. We have multiple locations, some close to the sea, some in the middle of uh, the city. And what we are extremely good at is having incredible amount of encounters. So we see ton of patients are right here and so this provided a unique opportunity to see and experiment uh, how you know diseases are different and you know how um, a person uh, might affect the way our a clinical outcome can be so we right now I don't know the exact stats but we are very very busy <laughs> i'm <laughs> going to look right now up to give you correct numbers right now No, you know very data scientist of me right checking okay. numbers all the time yeah. um, so we have hold on um we have right now in average, a number of 2 million contacts per year. Wow. So 2 million kids that we serve with a very wide range of diseases. We have ton of rare diseases, ton of pediatric cancer, um, variations. So we have a very amazing opportunity here to do something that affects ton of cats
0: yeah uh you you're reminding me of I, I had the opportunity to visit with alberto a couple of years ago and i got to go to the nicu at, at Babino Jesu and there was a kid there from romania and another kid from another i mean you, you guys serve kids way beyond italy
1: yes we do that too and you know we have a very good international network as you know um that you know is not only in europe also the united states and we do our best to serve by providing knowledge and skills and sharing knowledge as much as we can. We also train med students. We train, you know, people that are specializing in certain type of diseases so they can have the opportunity to experience it. And so, you know, it is, it's a very great, great place to be, to be honest with you. Uh, it's sad because I mean that there is a lot of kids that are, you know, in pain and they need help, but at the same time you are in the right place to do something that Will benefit them in the long run.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you, you have this very interesting background of having spent time in, in a children's hospital in the United States and now obviously in Europe or in Italy. Could you talk a little about what's the same and what's different as you've experienced it between the two worlds?
1: Well, I would say first and most, you know, insurance. Um, uh, uh to their mercy we have an incredible amazing staff i really have good memories there but somehow it was a little bit sad that you know if a kid doesn't have the right insurance might not be able to get care and here in italy it's not that i mean everybody got cares because we have public health um and so you don't have to have a very good employer we just you know our hospitals are open you know what i mean and so meaning that everybody can you know find the help they need when a children mercy and other hospitals like children mercy also chalk and you know Mayo clinic you know a lot of times some providers do accept some insurance some they don't you know you might have to go to the provider that your insurance will allow you to see uh, and so, and that of course have a af- big impact on your data too. you know, right because mm-hmm. you know you might have overreaching on some uh, type of patients because that insurance might be better on treating on providing care for certain diseases. You know, like I mean, if you have Medicaid and Medicare, you might not have access to the same care or the same facilities. So mm-hmm. it's, it's it's very interesting. You know, coming from both environment sometimes and you know looking at data because that's what i do for a living mm-hmm. you see that you know you realize a much complexity there is in that care worldwide globally
0: yeah yeah a, a very interesting point um you you've been a early member of our crew as we like to say a member of the pediatric moonshot crew i i'm curious what initially drew you to it what why why lend your capabilities to this mission
1: um well you know as i say i always look for the crazy pro i mean i like very very <laughs> big projects the one that nobody did before you know um as I say, when I was a postdoc, I was starting the first pharmacogenomics center by bringing together data scientists and clinicians and pharmacology people and pharmacy people. Because I realized that, you know, in order to provide complete care, we need to use a multidisciplinary approach. And I do remember Beatrice of Mercy and Dr. Clements, that was um, my scientific uh, head there, said, "Hey, Diana, is this, this project that came out and <laughs> i feel that you might lack like it and you know i was immediately hooked um and I was you know the idea to be able to overcome inequities and providing care worldwide by overcoming the limits of sharing data was for me like a big draw <laughs> because you know if i don't have data i i cannot improve care you know what i mean because I do medical intelligence, and all my work is based on how good the data is, right? And yeah. how much rich the data is, and um, it's clear for everybody in the field that centralized data set do not work, right? <laughs> and during COVID, we realized we need to find a better solution to this, and you know, the moonshot mm-hmm. was the perfect solution to the problem, at least for a data perspective.
0: Yeah. So, so you're saying you you came aboard because you were equally as crazy as us?
1: Yeah, that's a short <laughs> sentence.
0: <laughs> so, uh, just uh, for a minute, let's let's dabble in the future. What you know, you're you're here. If it's five years from now, we'll just make up a date. What what do you see? What is the future of AI and children's medicine? You could talk about the Pediatric Moonshot, you can talk about other work that you're up to. But what do you see the progress? Where where will we be if you could wave your magic wand?
1: Well, what I would like to see five years from now is a full melt between the data people. you know, mm-hmm. the nerd <laughs> and the clinical providers. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I do see a change, a movement toward a direction in which data are not just a mean to generate evidence for a publication, perhaps like uh, we, we make a model and we publish and that's done. Uh, what I want to see is what I experienced at Children's Mercy. Um, and I'm very much still strongly believe in the project over there, you know, the way that you can do AI in clinic, make a change for the better in clinic, and do stuff that can have an impact immediately on the, on, you know, on, on these patients in their every day. So meeting the patients where they are in their life and provide them with tailored care that we will never be able to do using Excel. You know what I mean? Um, Because I have the potential to just see around her and identify the strand that would be invisible to the human eye. You know what I mean? And they can use that to promote interventions. Interventions that then are, are, yes, evidence-based, but also mindful of the entirety of the patient as a whole their genes, their behaviors, Mm -hmm. how many times they encounter providers, how is the encounter itself? Did the patient understand the diagnosis? You know, all of that is what make a treatment successful. And I had the incredible opportunity, thanks to Mark Clements, to be able to see that happening in the Mm -hmm. clinic. And I'm like, every children should have been able to have access to that because it can be mind changing and it can be groundbreaking and it can be the difference between being able to play soccer at school because you, know, you have diabetes, but you know how to dose your insulin, to not be able to play because you're too afraid for hypo and hyperglycemia, for example. And you can see there, right there, that you can make these children's life better, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about uh, kind of the other half of this coin, I think many of us are, you know, share in your vision. But you know, all this data privacy, GDPR, HIPAA, isn't this, isn't this just gonna stop all innovation? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I don't think that, you know, when I start in both organization, um, first things was like privacy, you know, you're a researcher, you want to do research, you have to file an IRB if you're in the United States, you have to file a protocol. If you are in Europe, you have privacy department that to look over your protocols. You have, you know, ethics, and I realized very quickly that if you establish a good communication with your officers and you are able to honestly come to the table and say, this is what I want to do. This was is can be successful, help me to help you to make this possible, right? Mm-hmm. And be open to share, right? If you go there and say, hey, this is my protocol. You have to accept it because I got funded. (laughs) Doesn't go, you know what I mean? (laughs) Go there and says, hey, I have this idea and I'm writing a grant and I'm writing a protocol. And I want to make sure that what I do is in line with the law, with, you know, how ethics is looking at this topic right now. Can you help me to do that? You will see that there is way, way much potential to overcome blockers because they are part of the solution, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're not just hounding you; they mm-hmm. are really like helping you to make your project better. And you can mm-hmm. might give you—I'm I'm always amazed about it—you they might give you solution that you didn't think about it when you wrote the grant. You know what I mean? Because they know their field, yeah. and you have to accept the fact that they know their field; they're experts in their field, and they want the same thing that you want make the children life better right
0: yeah keep them in
1: mind and work together that's my solution and that's how i see the future for you know the gdpr and privacy issue
0: well that's you know very good counsel you know include them as part of the team is really what you're saying as opposed to them being an adversary so to speak
1: yeah, I know the the old school win win situation. That's always my my keyword. What's the win? What do you want? What do we want? How we get there?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, we you know obviously when we talk about the pediatric moonshot and you know improving healthcare and equity, lowering cost, et cetera, for the kids around the planet it's a very lofty set of goals I'm curious if you could take us down to uh, a child a particular child that you may have run across whether it's you know in in Italy or in the United States or in your travels that you know if we were successful let's say we were successful we could build AI applications and deploy them in cardiology or neurology or any in the number of areas uh, tell me a story of of a kid who would, it would have made a difference in their life
1: well if it's okay every year we go on personal side of things yeah so this is Please. September we are in September and is the months for pediatric cancer right mm. uh, and I am a pediatric cancer survivor myself
0: whoa
1: so um and you know if I think about what AI can do what we can do to make the you know, a patient better. I am thinking all the time about myself, and you know, when I started my career, I was not talking about it, I was always hide the fact that that cancer was like you know, was seen like a bad thing in my life. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm actually, after you know, working at a pediatric hospital, I'm embracing it because I realized there is value in knowing what I'm going through, and there is value in advocating for having the care that we can provide at the best of our capacity. And so the federated learning provide a platform, a way to provide that care to every kid, the best K ever. If I have a specialist that, you know, is good on CAR-T or treatment or is good for neuroblastoma treatment,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: would like to have access to the specialist, right? And so yeah. if we think about a, an app uh, that a little bit like we are working on for a, too with the cardiologist mm-hmm. that you know can look at scans for brains you know what i mean or from mm-hmm. bellies and help providers to be faster in the diagnosis to find the best specialist to find the best treatment that life might change i mean i'm extremely lucky because i was having a great surgeon that took great care of me and i'm here talking right now so it was <laughs> extremely lucky. but I do remember, like my parents, for example, not having knowledge on downtime informations, right? And the idea that you can take information and make it available you know, in the entire world with AI and with federated learning even, can literally make those situations disappear. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that's what I'm very passionate about. And this is why I think right now that I'm in the right place because my projects, you know uh is mostly in the oncology department and i feel that you know i survive and now i'm doing what i can to survive children like me to make them survive but i'm also have the respect they need to be there when i'm using data for maybe children didn't make it and i can use that knowledge those i call them data angels to Mm -hmm. learn from them right and use them better the life of the one that are still suffering.
0: Wow, that was that. That is a phrase, a data angel. Uh, that thank thank you for that, Diana, for the phrase, uh, for your contributions to the moonshot. I know, you know, we talk about we're at the vanguard stage. It's just a little rocket right now. Uh, but I think with our work in Mercury and the work we're doing with you guys in Gemini uh, to build an AI lab for children's medicine that will cross the globe, that, as you pointed out, will initially start with cardiology, but we are fast moving to many of the other fields as we add new imaging machines and uh, and new healthcare machines. So, uh, Diana, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, on this day and uh, i'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to talk but thank you very much
1: thanks to you